You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Outstanding Life Podcast. Before we get things kicked off, I want to say a big hello to all my friends tuning in at Dirt Road Radio, KYDT 103.1 FM and KBFS 1450 AM. Today, our special guest is Eileen Arton. Eileen's music is far from normal. She brings an exciting energy to the scene by keeping her roots true, true to her soulful blues that she grew up listening to and playing on her upright piano, which she still plays today and writes music right there at that piano. Her message of love, faith, and gratitude is what makes Eileen's music so special. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend, the rock star, Eileen Arton. Eileen, how are you? I'm great. How about you, Johnny? I am outstanding. You know, I once heard you say that we are all rock stars. And superheroes. We are all rock stars and superheroes, and I love that. Why, why, why and how did you become a rock star? Oh, gosh. Well, I was born a rock star, so that was, you know, it started off that way. Like I said, we're all born into this, but something such as life and experiences happen where we forget, um, you know, I think we forget who we are and uh, the outside world affects us. But I think I'm a believer that our our you know, we all have this inner being and we're here for a reason and we're here to have fun. We're here to love. We're here to be loved. And uh, I don't think life is supposed to be hard. So that's why I say we're all rock stars and super um, superheroes. Um, but my story is more of, I guess it would be, how did I forget that I was a rock star, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think that's a better, clearer way because we really are, you know, uh, we all have things that we enjoy in life. And if, you know, if the world was, everybody was the same in this world, it would be a very boring place. So we all have different interests and mine just happened to be music and, um, you know, expressing my, myself through music. So, so, um, so were you a guitar player? Were you a drummer? Were you a bass player? I mean, what did you play and, and at what age did you start? I started at age five. My mom bought me an upright piano. She, we were, um, I uh, come from a family of three siblings. My older sister is 11 years older than my brother is seven years older. Then there was me, the accident, which I say I was an asset to the family. But, you know, <laughs> I, I truly am humble. I'm just, I'm just playing around. But, <laughs> no, um, it's great. So she tried with the other two and they were like, this ain't happening. And she's like, no talent there. And then she, I was like, you know, being the youngest, well, I want to try, you know, and I was five and she, we tried it and she bought this upright back in 1975 or 76. I could be off, um, for a hundred dollars. And back then that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. And my parents were separated, separated at the time. So she was, she was a single mom raising the three of us. I saw my dad on the weekends, but um, anyway, so we started and she couldn't get me off the piano and I, I began to take lessons, classical lessons. Anybody who asks me, I say, please take the classical, not the pop because I you know, grew up with Mozart and Bach and all that stuff and you couldn't get me to not practice. I'd come home from school with my backpack still on my back and I'd go to the piano and she'd say, take your backpack off. You're going to hurt your back. So after about 10 years, I, about 16, I said, I don't want to take lessons anymore, but I promise I'm not going to stop playing. And she said, I know. And that was it. I stopped taking lessons. But it is that foundation of, you know, being a uh, taking classical lessons, because when we take piano lessons, we learn how to read music. We learn the tempo. We learn pitch, tone, you know, everything, which fostered that into me teaching myself to play the guitar and playing drums and I was like, I want to play the clarinet. So I taught myself to play the clarinet all because I knew how to read uh, music. So were you able to my... sing as well as play? 
you know, it's interesting because other than in the shower and in the car, I wasn't really singing, you know, <laughs> and, and I tell people I don't sing in the shower. I perform in the shower. I even have this beautiful frame up in my um, music room where I, I also teach vocal lessons. So my students read that all the time. Um, but I didn't begin singing until I was in my late twenties at a, it all started when I sang the rose for my wife at a karaoke bar. And she's like, why aren't you singing? And I'm like, me sing. No, I don't sing outside. You know, as extroverted as I am, I, I do have an introvert side where, um, I didn't have that self-confidence for people to hear my voice, but she was my first fan. And she actually bought my first guitar and she said, here, you're going to learn how to play this and you're going to sing for me more often. And I began <laughs> to do that. You know, I played around and I just knew two chords, the G into the E minor. And then our children were born. And when our children were born um, in, in 2004 and Anna, my wife was pregnant um, she was having, she was carrying twins. And I thought, God, I can't, I want these kids to just, you know, do what they love in life, you know? And I thought, well, how am I going to do that? If I'm, how am I going to teach them that if I'm not doing that? Amen, sister. So, right. It's like, how am I going to be an, ex you know, once you become a parent, you're like, ah, oh, everything changes. You're like, what, what did I like before? What, what, what did we do before this? And I said, well, I'm going to be the example. So I really picked up my you know, guitar skills. And I started to sing and I said, I'm going to go to a farmer's market. I just cold called, asked somebody. They said, sure. They put me on the El Segundo street fair. And I was there for three hours in a little corner. And I kid you not, Johnny, I was singing the same eight cover songs, looping it for three hours. Cause that's <laughs> all I knew how to play. And foot traffic was going back and forth, you know, but I played the songs that I knew how to play on the guitar you know, singing wasn't the problem. It was just learning how to play. And I looped it for eight, you know, eight songs over and over again. And I came home with, you know, $300 and some in tip change. And I said, well, I think I could sing. I think I'm going to keep going with this. And that's how it happened. That is so cool. So we, we learned yeah. a little bit about you and who you are like who you were then, where you are now, you have a new album called heaven in hell. And, and, and yeah. I think this would be a perfect time for, for all of us to listen to that song. Do you want to set it up? Well, it's about being in heaven while you're really in hell. I'm just kidding. No. That's not what it is, but <laughs> it's about, um, this is a fictional song. It's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a um, true story. A lot of my songs are true, but this was just the playing around in Tahoe one day on the deck and writing a song about, you know, uh, being, uh, while being in a relationship, you have attraction to someone else and, but you can't do anything because you're really in love with this person. And it's like being in heaven, but you're really in hell. It's, it's just the play on words of, being in a relationship while you, you know, you're playing on bouncing off other relationships that you experience in life, but it is a fictional song. There's nothing like this ever happened. I love um, that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a universal. I thought, you know, I'm sure people go through this. I'm going to write something like this. And it just, I came up with the riff. You'll hear the riff in the very beginning of the song. And I just kind of, I actually wrote it with my wife, this one, you know, she helped me with this one lyric wise, because I had the melody. That's how I write music. I first do hear the melody and then I put the words to it. So that's how it is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Heaven in hell. Walking down the streets of LA. I'm dreaming about the places I play. But they'll never make me feel the way you do inside Smiling like an angel from hell You're casting all your magic spells And it feels like I can't stop myself from going insane
out of my head When I look at you I know I am dead There's an energy between us and it's hard to control And I want more Everybody, that was Heaven in Hell by Eileen Arton. And and Eileen, I you know, what a beautiful song, what a cool song. Were you did you always even dress like a rock star? I mean, because you have the look of a rock star. You don't only sing and and sound like one, but man, you look like a rock star. Yeah, you know, I've been told that several times. I love to dress up. Like when I'm doing a gig, I love to dress up. And I, I probably didn't mention this, but um there is a music video to this song, Heaven in Hell. And, uh, you know, people should go see it. It's on YouTube, Heaven and Hell, official music video, Eileen Arton. And um, I really looked like a rock star then because I had a makeup artist. We had a whole team, you know, a crew. And they, there's three different outfits in that song because it tells the story to that song. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to dress how I, if it feels good, then I'm going to wear it. If it doesn't feel good, then I'm not going to wear it. But I, luckily for me, it has the rock star feel to it, you know, but uh, like I said, we're all rock stars in our own right. As long as we feel good about how we look, we're going to, we're going to portray that to the people in front of us because we feel so good in the clothes that we're wearing. That's what I believe. 100%. Who inspired you like group wise or artist wise? Oh gosh. Um, well, I grew up listening to, you know, watching Sonny and Cher. I love Cher. You know, yes. Um, but then in 1977, um, I became a huge Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks fan and uh, just watched, you know, watch Stevie Nicks, listen to her. I love Tina Turner. Um, you know, I would say share Tina Turner, uh, S- Stevie Nicks, the big one, uh, you know, number one would be Stevie Nicks. And then um, in 2000 and it was I think it was. The year Amy Winehouse passed away, I really was pursuing the whole guitar, learning how to play the guitar thing. And I got into her music a lot. And I listened to her a lot. And and then she passed away. I was like, wait a minute, what happened to her? You know, but um, Amy Winehouse is a really big one that I love as well. That's the, that's the real soulful side of me, I think. But uh, number one, I would say is, uh, Stevie Nicks is a big influence. And, you know, of course, the Led Zeppelin and all that heart and that genre of music. And you've got to warm up for a couple of really cool bands. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I had the you know privilege of opening for Kenny Loggins at a couple of theaters at the Saban Theater and the Rose Theater. Not the Rose Bowl, Rose Theater. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. That's later. That's later. So I, I was able to open up for him. I also opened up for Air Supply 
and I also opened up for Melissa Manchester as well. Um, and it was just, you know, it was a fun thing to be around those artists and to be able to do that. I had a booking agency. Um, I had a couple of people who were working with me on my first album and they got me the connection to open for Kenny Loggins. Take us through your songwriting process. I mean, so many people do things so differently. Some people like to get around with a bunch of people. Some people like to be by themselves. Some people like to have a couple cocktails. Some people do, you know, other things. Like, what is your process like? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see how I sound after a cocktail. I, I think it'll be a completely different artist, but, you know, <laughs> I think you'll be getting jingles out of me more than rock music. But, uh, you know, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to write something while I'm really slammed. And I'm gonna send that song to you. But uh, well, 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 here, well, here's what I, I was thinking about this just the other day. I was having a couple glasses of wine because I am off the road until the beginning of the year, no gigs, which is awesome. And I just have um, just launched my my uh, uh, new book, and and I started already writing another one, and it like all started coming to me after a couple glasses of wine. I'm like, well, this is great. And then I thought, well, I'm gonna ask this question to Eileen. I mean, you mm-hmm. know. Be, be, because the process is different for everybody. Yeah, it is different. Um, well, let me tell you, I was never a song. I never thought I would be a songwriter ever because I was like, I can't write. I, I, I can do instrumental stuff like really well on the piano because I like to improvise and create on the piano. But it's, you know, it's got a very Armenian classical touch to it. Right. Right. And um what happened was I started to sing in Lake Tahoe. We vacation there all the time. And I said, you know, I was gutsy enough to do the farmer's market thing. This is after the farmer's market thing. I wanted to play more out. So while we were in Tahoe, I got myself a gig twice a week at a small cafe. Okay. So I was singing a lot and then I started to lose my voice. And I thought, oh my God, something's wrong. I'm sick. And a good friend of mine said, there's nothing wrong with you. You need a vocal coach. So I connected to my a vocal coach who happens to be a renowned, you know, um, operatic singer, classical teacher. His name's Charles Gavoyan. I talk to him still um, um, to this day. And, you know, he helps me anytime he can to this day. And he's the reason I actually teach vocal lessons. But that's a whole other podcast, just so you know. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, I started to take lessons from him. And then I began this journey of wanting to speed the process of becoming famous. You know, every artist thinks that it's going to happen exactly the way they think it's going to happen, which is so untrue, you know? Um, And I tried to, I started to try out for the voice. I started not American Idol because I was not in the age age range, maybe just a month off. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I started to got America's got down all this stuff. And, I made it through the voice. This is after my 10th try. I kept trying. I kept trying and trying. I was like, I'm going to keep trying. You know, you never know. Eileen, and I just got to stop you right there. What a yeah. great life lesson for everybody listening right now. Right. Don't just do it once. And if it doesn't work, don't, don't, don't chalk it up as a failure. You just said that you went and you tried out 10 flipping times. 10. 10 times. Oh my gosh. You just gave me goosebumps. Eileen, you're amazing. Go ahead. I kept Continue. Going. I just want you to yeah, know. I, I kept going. And I remember the 10th time I tried and every time I tried, I wanted to get there really early. Right. Because you know, it's not what the, it is behind the scenes. It's not people just walking in. Oh, come on and try it. It's like, get there at three in the morning, wait in line, hope that you get to go in an audition, hope that they give you a ticket to come back. Okay. So yep. I did this nine times and it was like, no, 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 no. This 10th time I went, I was driving at three o'clock in the morning on the 105 freeway here. It's, it's a freeway connected from the airport all the way going east. And I kid you not, my life flashed in front of me because it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm driving. And all of a sudden I see this car in front of me approaching really fast. It was a dead car in the middle of the freeway, no lights on. And I just missed it. I swerved, dodged the car. I fishtailed and got back, straightened out the thing. And I held on to the to the steering wheel. And I thought, oh, my God, my I could have just died if I slammed into this car. And what good is what I'm doing now when the real prize in life is that I have a wife home and three kids? 
you know? Yes. And I'm thinking, and I began to think, what am I doing? This is so stupid. I'm leaving my family at three in the morning for this. I surrender. Whatever happens, happens, God. I take whatever you give me. That was the time I made it through. Oh, wow. That's incredible. What a great story. What a great life lesson. I got goosebumps just telling myself that story. You know, (laughs) you forget, you forget how impactful it is until you talk about it. You look at, I'm talking about it 10 years later, you know, but um, anyway, back to that, almost losing my life, you know, um, making it through. And then I got a call back to get through. And then this one was, if I got through, I would have made it through the TV rounds, but I got cut and I was devastated. And I called Charlie, my, my vocal coach. I said, they cut me, you know, um, it's not happening. And this is crazy. What am I doing? He's like, Eileen, sweetheart, you need to stop singing other people's songs. So here I am now talking about songwriting and I said, okay. And what happened was I was at guitar center one day. Um, and some guy comes up to me, goes, are you Eileen the singer? And I looked up at him and I was like, yeah, how do you know? You know? <laughs> and he said, I judged you at the Manhattan beach hometown fair. You got second place. You were up there with the battle of the bands and we gave you second place. He goes, I was the judge who rooted for you. And I was like, this woman is amazing. Does she sing her own songs? He goes, do you sing your own songs? And I said, no, he goes, you need to hook up with me. And this guy named Kevin Fisher, he's a huge songwriter. Um, We do workshops, you know, every Monday night, every so often he does this workshop thing. You, You would benefit from it. And it was right after I got cut from the voice, you know, and this whole thing of Charlie saying you need to write. So this appears. And I said, well, you let me know when it is. If I can do it and it doesn't interrupt the life of my family, I will come. For two years, this guy tried to get me to do songwriting classes. Finally, after two years, it fell on a night where it didn't disrupt my family life with my children because my children were young. I didn't want to miss out on that time. Right. And I started to go. And that's how I began to do song um, write my own songs. We just got together. He gave us an assignment. Today, you're going to write a song. We're all going to write a song for next week with the same title, or we're all going to write a pop song, or we're all going to write a song that maybe Taylor Swift would cut. Just teaching us how to step out of our box and singing the song to each other. And that's how it began. I just was kind of like thrown into the woods, like, oh my God, I got to write a song. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Eileen, but don't Kevin you believe Fisher's just, yeah. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, don't you believe that we all have a song inside of us? Everybody Absolutely. listening right now, Eileen is just saying it over and over again that all you have to do is try. You can't, yeah. you'll never, well, most of the time you're not going to write a, a perfect song in the first time, but then sometimes you can, because I've heard you say in interviews that you've literally wrote a song in 10 minutes. Oh yeah. So we all like, like, like there is no excuse, right? Eileen, yeah. there's no excuse yeah. for anybody to sit down and just write their own song. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to connect to your feelings. You know, it, it, the, the, the ones that I write in 10 minutes, I really connected to myself and was true to connecting to myself, whether I was feeling sad at that moment, joy at that moment, whatever it was, you, you really, you really do have to connect to ourselves. Cause like you said, we all have a song. We all have a story to tell. Everybody on this planet could write a book. 100%. We're all just as important as, you know, each other, you know, we're, we're so important. If we're here, you know, I think about it this way. I know this is a little silly, but it all starts before that little sperm hits that egg. What is it? Like millions of sperms are racing to that egg and one makes it. Right. So if we're here, you already won, you made, you won the race. It's just doing with, you know, not losing sight of why you're here is, is the trick because so many of us are trying to refine ourselves. We're all born with this, but refining ourselves, I think is, is, is what we should be doing for each other and helping each other. And, and so talking to you today, because I know you're doing this, you help people, you know, you do this because you're not doing this just for yourself. You're doing this for your listeners. You're doing this for the artists. 
um, you're helping people. And that's what we should do, especially in an industry like this. We need to help each other. 100%. Um, you know, for us to, to move forward in our own lives. So Eileen, that's what I believe. You are, you are surrounded by incredible and talented musicians. I have to ask you one question, though. And, and this is going to be tough. I'm just going to let you know right now. Do you mm. prefer working solo or with your band? Because you have some some artists around you that oh, are gosh. incredible. That is a very hard question, and I hate you for asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to have to say it just depends on the mood that I'm in. I... Like when I do a lot of stuff with my band, I like to take a break and go solo. Yeah. You know, uh, when I do a lot of stuff with my solo, I'm itching for my band. <laughs> so it just, it just depends. It's, it's, it's not California weather all the time right. with me. I like the seasonal changes of what I can offer people, you know. Talk a little bit about, about some of the guys in the band. I mean, you, you know, you have um, Oliver, which has played, you know, percussion for Casey and the Sunshine Band. I mean, go ahead and I mean, take a couple minutes and talk about, you know, um, the guys in the band. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, there's two guys that are um, a, a, a consistent band members in the band. And that's one is Oliver. C. Brown, who played for Casey and the Sunshine Band. He played for, uh, he, I don't know if you know this, but he played with Mick Fleetwood and Fleetwood Mac. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Talk about, look at that attraction that I did, right? Look at that manifestation. Right. Seven years old, <laughs> what I have ever thought. <laughs> you know? So, God gives me little tastes of it, but he said, what I would love, God, if I can ask you, I'd love to do a duet with Stevie. You know, that would be great. So, Oliver... During the 90s, he was in the Mick Fleetwood Blues Band with Mick Fleetwood. And you, if you remember, during the 90s, Fleetwood Mac took a break because yep. the band split up. So during that time, um, he, Oliver connected with Mick Fleetwood. That's a whole other story. Just in a small little hole-in-the-wall bar, Mick Fleetwood was coming in. And they started this band. Went on for a few years. And then Fleetwood Mac got back together. And... Uh, Mick wanted to take Oliver with him to the band when they got back together. But Stevie and Lindsay had their own percussionist. But Oliver played for a little bit with Fleetwood Mac as a trial thing. And Stevie and I, I believe Stevie and Lindsay wanted their certain percussionist. And Mick and, and Oliver told Mick, look, Fleetwood Mac needs to get back together. You do not need to take me with you in this band. You need to go and make things work with Fleetwood Mac. This is the type of person Oliver is, you know, unselfish, thinking of Mick Fleetwood, you know, and not making anything rocky because the band was getting back together. So that's how that happened. So I have someone like that. Not only is he talented, but he's an incredible human being, you know. Um, and then my bass player, uh, Derek, started with me in my solo years when I would just when I just started singing at St. Rock here in Hermosa Beach. And it was a singer-songwriter night, and I was just getting my feet, you know, I was just getting everything started in my music career. Now it went from farmer's markets to actually singing at a venue here in my town. And I had seen Derek play with a very good friend of mine, Zeal Levin, who's an incredible incredible artist he's like the dark horse <laughs> of funk he's incredible how um, cool and i saw derek play with with zeal because i went to see zeal one night and um i asked derek i said hey i'm playing at some will you come and play with me and i had asked zeal will you play with us he's like sure i'll play he's been with me ever since he hasn't stopped he comes with me to my residency twice a week well he comes once a week to my residency and he plays with you know plays for me with me He's just an incredible, talented, fretless bass player. Wow. And so Derek and Oliver have been with me throughout. Now, in during that process, I've gone through different drummers, um, gone through different guitarists. The the my my producer who uh who produced Heaven and Hell plays guitar on this album. So he played guitar for me. He's also a smooth jazz superstar in his own right, you know, so he's busy with his stuff. I, 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 although I would love to call him my guitarist, I don't think I would call him my guitarist, but he is the guitarist in this album. Um, but I'm still looking for, you know, the right people, um, to really give me what Oliver and Derek give me, to be honest. 
That's incredible. How, how do you prepare yeah. for a live performance and how does it differ from being in the uh, studio? Studio recording or yeah. messing around? Yeah. Well, a live performance, I have a ritual of just not talking all day long um, as much as I can. And um, I'm a big visualizer. You know, I'm, I, I, visualization is really big with me. The day before or the week before, I'm always visualizing how the performance is going to go. And I'm always seeing myself in in the picture of me smiling and people smiling in front of me, singing my songs with me. And as long as I'm having a good time, that's honestly how I prepare for my gigs and performances to see the joy in people and in myself as if it already happened. Eileen, I do the exact same thing as you. Incredible. That's why we love each other. (laughs) Every gig that I have. and, and, And I tell people, no matter what you do for a living, visualize your happiness, visualize what you're going to do and not do. And, and, and that's something that I've been practicing for, for over 20 years. And I don't hear a whole lot of people do that. And I think that that is so cool. Cause that's something that's so important for me is to have my, my time hours of just sitting there visualizing how the yep. gig is going to go, how the stories are going to be told, how the daydreaming. How, yeah. Yep. Yeah. in in the reaction, which, which brings me to my, to my next question. Can you share a memorable or, um, or cool experience you've had from, from your live performance? Oh gosh. From one of my live performances, a cool experience. I mean, come on. What, what was it like for you to get up the first time in front of a, a, you know, lights, camera, action in front of all those people? I mean, that that had to have been so cool, especially because you started at, you know, at such a young age and visualizing yeah. that you're going to one day be there. And then all of a sudden that day comes. You're not at a farm market. You're on a yes. full blown stage with, you know, smoke, you know, guitars, a band, lights, an audience. And everybody's yes. loving you. I mean, what was that yes. like? It was, it was, it was a surreal moment, of course, because it's something that I always uh, wanted. But I, I'm gonna. This is a great question, a great question, because I think people are gonna resonate with this, and I hope that I, after this, people listen to this podcast that I have, you know, left this, left them and you with this impression of increase in ourselves. Um, so. One of my first performances, of course, it was solo. I'm going to go with that one because that that's what I remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was it was amazing that I was on a stage. That I was on a stage, not only on a stage, but I was singing my own song. Okay, because it was a singer songwriter night, and the the you know the reception that I got from the crowd. Of, oh my God, who is this woman? Or you know, I've been told I have a voice of an angel. You know, I, you're the enchantress. You're just the rock and soul queen and all this, you know, feeding the ego, feeding the ego. And it's like, okay, that's great. But I want to be here. Okay. Yeah. That's wonderful. What can you do for me? It was all, that was my mindset, but the feeling of being there and the lights on me and hearing my voice on this incredible sound system, my favorite place to play at, by the way, is the Troubadour. They have the best sound system. Um, that is, you know, a chill moment of really feeling like, wow, I'm actually doing this and I'm doing it with my own songs. That was the best thing. But here's the twister. I, if I compare it to my very last performance, which was with my band, it was with Zeal, uh, an incredible drummer that I think I'm going to keep and then he would he would definitely want to do, um, and I would want uh, and Derek was with me as well. We're, we're a four piece band, and um, the beauty of it was it was at an Oktoberfest festival, and this there was three stages. There was one nice high stage, and then there was two north and south. There was a south stage and a north stage. The stage was. As high as high, maybe a little higher than my tennis shoe heel. That's what the stage was. It wasn't even upright. It was a little platform as high as the sidewalk in a corner in a beer garden. And I'm thinking, this is the stage. Okay, I'm going to do it. It's fine. I'm going to do it. It's it's, tomorrow's the gig and we're going to do it. It was 
hands down, Johnny, my favorite gig I have done better than Kenny Loggins, Air Supply, Melissa Manchester, St. Rock, Armstrong Theater, um, the Pride Festival, uh, Palm Springs Pride Festival. I mean, I'm trying to throw the troubadour, anything. It was my favorite performance. And you know why that is? Why is that? Because I had so much fun. I had so much fun and really was immersed in the feeling of having fun that I didn't care about anything else. It was the first time in my life that I actually had fun doing it without thinking, oh, I need to do this to sound better. Oh, I need to look like this to look better. I need, I didn't care about any of that. I just actually was living in that moment. And if I could relive a, a gig over and over again, it would be that day. Another great life lesson. Seriously. Sometimes you just got to say, what the heck, man, let's just do this and have fun. Forget Seriously. about everything else. And that brings yep. me to, to my next, not question, but something I want to talk about. And, and I want to play another song. And, it, and this ties right into the song called Showtime. Yes. And, and, and I, I have to say, the, your album I listened to in the last 24 hours, I've probably listened to it 12 times. It, it's for anybody out there. You wow. need to go and listen to her album called Heaven in Hell. Not Heaven in Hell. Heaven in Hell. And the song that I want to play right now is called Showtime. And I, and, and I just have to say this. It brought goosebumps to me. Being a performer, being a motivational speaker. I want you to talk a little bit about why you wrote the song. And when you started to write it, when you had the idea, did it turn out? exactly the way you wanted or did it take a right turn and it went somewhere completely different oh god you're getting you're getting me emotional you might you might hear a little tear come down uh, that song i began to write in my home um because i was it was a time in my life where i was really connecting to writing something about how i really feel about this career right and finally getting there. And I wasn't able to finish the song. So what I did is I took Niels, my producer, I took Oliver and I took Harold Payne, who's an incredible songwriter. I put him in my ex my suburban. I said, we're going to Tahoe. So I picked them up at five in the morning. We went to Tahoe and we finished the song Showtime. Wow. I got addicted to you from that one, from that trip as well. And um, Harold Payne helped me write the lyrics to Showtime. And it was a collaborative thing on that because it was such an um, emotional song, as, as people will hear. It's about, you know, making it, finally getting there and the feelings of being on stage. Um, that's how I wrote that song. I was in Tahoe with, uh, you know, three of my buddies to help me finish this song. But I started it out here in L.A. And I was it was at a time in my life where I was really connecting to... Um, loving who I was as an artist and really starting to slowly believe that was the, it was the kickstart of believing in myself that where I'm going to go. Now, this song that you're going to play, um, one more thing I want to say is when I wake up in the mornings, I get up at 5 a.m. and I go down to the beach by 5.30 because I like to get there before the sun comes out and I like to see the moonlight on the ocean. And I take two of my dogs and we, you know, walk from one pier to the end of the um, strand um, because the cops are not that time it's, it's illegal to do that so uh, <laughs> so I go early so that they have their joy but a lot of times you know one of the main reasons I go is because I really connect with source and you know uh, spirit whatever people want to call you know it's all the same we're all going to the same place people come here with nothing we're leaving with nothing <laughs> other than what we leave behind and I'll play showtime really loud in my ears and my airpods and I will visualize from the minute you hear the first note to the end of the song, I have a scenario in my head of me singing that song at the Olympic Games um, in front of the whole world. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is from the new album, Heaven in Hell, from Eileen Arton. Here it is, Showtime. It took a while to hit my stride 
That was Showtime by Eileen Arton. And the new album that it's on is called Heaven in Hell. Look it up. It's incredible. I know you guys absolutely love the the song. And make sure you go and and play it. So you've written a ton of different songs. You have multiple albums. I'm going to ask you another tough question, and that is, what is your favorite song as I ask you right now? Now, I know that in five minutes and 10 minutes, tomorrow, it'll be completely different. But as I ask you the question right now, Eileen, what is your favorite song you've ever written? I'm not talking about the one that has the most hits, the most views. Right now, your favorite song that you've ever written. It's not a hard question. It's actually, the timing to this question is pretty incredible, to be honest. Um, Because when I write a song... um, you know, I love every song that I write. It's hard for me to choose what, which one I love to sing, which one I love to listen to. But right now, honestly, what I could say is the last, the latest song that I wrote that hasn't even been released yet. And it's called home. And you know, this is a perfect time because I couldn't wait um, to talk about this. Eileen, there have been songs that I just talked about, you know, the, the, the last one we played, which was showtime and it made me feel so emotional. But when you sent me this song called Home, I played it multiple times and cried every single time at my desk listening to, wow. to this song. And the reason why, I'm not going to set this song up, but I want the listeners to understand, you wrote this song called Home, and I just got off the road. And this song wow. hit me so hard. I've been on the road for over 10 months. And and um, I'm just letting you know, thank you for writing this song. I know it hasn't been played on radio. It hasn't been played on a podcast or anything. You no are, one's heard it. 
<laughs> Nobody has heard it, and you're letting us play it. So why don't you set the song up and tell us a little bit about how this song got created? Because it was kind of an accident, correct? I mean, somebody challenged you to write a song for somebody else. Yeah, actually, what happened was I got I reconnected with Kevin Fisher, whom I started writing in this workshop with. Remember the guy that saw me at Guitar Center? Yeah. He connected me to Kevin, and those so. I had taken a break from all of that and I reconnected with him. I said, I want to write some more songs now that this album's out. And as I explained earlier in the podcast, we have assignments. Well, this was an assignment. And the assignment was Tanya Tucker is coming out of retirement. I think Brandy Carlisle produced her last album. And now Tanya Tucker wants to write another album. He, he he may know somebody because he knows people in the industry. He may know someone who wants, um, you know, uh, Tanya wants songs to be pitched to her for her new album. So he said, why don't you guys, that's the assignment, and see what you come up with. And I was like, heck yeah, man. I love country, <laughs> you know. I, I Honestly, growing up as a little girl, I wanted to be a country singer and a cowgirl. I want to live on a farm. So... But that was, you know, that little little girl. That, that didn't happen, but that's okay. Um, so I said, yeah, country, I want to do it. And um, I did my research on Tanya and, uh, you know, just a whole research on everything, her marital situation, her road, being on the road and all that stuff. And I came up with the song. It was an actual assignment. But I, when I wrote it, of course, I put myself into that situation because, like I said, I have to feel it. And I felt my own emotion of how it would feel like if I were on the road. Because even if I'm on the road down the street or, you know, an hour away for a gig, to me, that's being on the road. And that's where I feel most at home is doing what I love. And that's what the song's about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here it is called Home by Eileen Arton. Sunbeam through the window Smell the morning dew Texas rooster sings a song They say that home is where the heart is There's nothing that's more true So for me the road has always been my home I'm headed home Yellow colored fields shining Had my ups and downs with lovers People come and go Many times my heart's been all alone They say that love is like the wind Not seen but felt for sure The most faithful love for me has been the All right, everybody, that is Eileen Arton, and that is called 
home. And I tell you what, I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I enjoyed listening to it. Eileen, thank you so much for, for writing that. Eileen, tell everybody how they can find you on your, your website, Instagram. Are you on Twitter? And, and how can they find your music? Well, I'm on all digital platforms on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube. But if they go to at Eileen Arton, and of course, everybody needs to know how to spell Eileen because obviously my parents could not spell <laughs> and they spelled it differently. So I, my, I've been called A-Line, which is... Um, A-Y-L-I-N-E. So maybe now everyone will remember it's A-Line, pronounced Eileen. A-Y-L-I-N-E. Artin, which is A-R-T-I-N. And I like to think it of as um, Eileen puts the art in music. So it's Eileen Artin. And let me tell you guys something. You can go right to her website right now and listen to her music, her latest album. And that latest album is called Heaven in Hell. Eileen Arton, I cannot thank you for hanging out with thank us here on the Outstanding Life Podcast. Thank you so much for your for your stories, for your inspiration, and for all of you. Make sure you go check out her music. You're going to love it. Eileen, I'm going to give you one last thank thing. You. Is there anything you want to say to the world? Oh, my gosh. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say thank you. Thank you for bringing me people like you into my life. And I would love more of that. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Johnny. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And if somebody wants to book you, can they just go to your website, send you a message? Sure. They uh, they should go to my Instagram. That's helpful because my Instagram also has, you know, the direct messaging. Um, they can also do it on my website. I believe there's an email up there, but I get a lot of my traffic through my Instagram at Eileen Arton. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, everybody. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Thank you for hanging out with us right here on the Outstanding Life Podcast. We'll see you next time right here. Hey, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Are you planning a conference, convention, meeting, assembly, or any live event that needs a guest speaker? I would love to be a part of it. For more information, visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And don't forget to check out my Outstanding Life podcast every Sunday here on Dirt Road Radio, KYDT 103.1 FM and KBFS 1450 AM. Have an outstanding day. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.